fun-filled podcast about evil incarnate. Uh, my name's X. And I'm Cootie. And it's time to kiss, kiss the goat. goat. <laughs> That's right. Welcome to Kiss the Goat, where we talk about devil movies and Satan exploitation flicks from the 70s, 80s, and beyond. Possessions, exorcisms, satanic rituals. Uh, good times. Yeah, good times, man. Maybe some non-exploitation here and there. Because we love it. We do. We we like crazy nuns. Um, anyway, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about for this whole show right here on Kiss the Goat. You have to have that pause there or else it doesn't count. Um, so anyway, I figured we would start the, the show in general with a classic. And today we're going to talk about Roman Polanski's 1968 uh, Rosemary's Baby. One of our favorites. One of our favorites. Um, we will be talking about the Criterion Blu-ray edition. I don't think there are any editions out there that are like really heavily chopped up or edited. There's really not that much that you could cut out of it. You know, some body double butt, and that's about it. <laughs> um, and even so, let's let's face it, Mia Farrow Naked was not that impressive even back in 1968. But we'll probably... We'll probably get get to that later, too. Um, Rosemary's Baby was a huge hit when it came out in 1968. It was the eighth highest grossing film of that year. And what a weird, what a weird fucking year 1968 was. Um, this movie is actually older than I am. So looking back just to see what all was, was popular back then is strange to me. The number one movie of that year was 2001 A Space Odyssey, and that makes sense. That I, I can get behind that. What I can't get behind is that the number three highest grossing film of that year was The Love Bug. <laughs> Seems a bit incongruous, doesn't it? It does. I, just, <laughs> I don't understand. Oh, here's a journey through time and space, and here's a Volkswagen that wants to love you, I guess. I <laughs> I don't even know. What did Herbie do? <laughs> I guess he drove himself and leaked his headlights and could raise and lower his uh, hood. Like, yeah. <laughs> I saw that once when I was seven. I, I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't understand how that constitutes a franchise. But it's kind of like the German version of Short Circuit, really, come to think of it. Uh, <laughs> All right. So anyway, let's let's do we throw a spoiler alert out for a movie that's 46 fucking years old? You know, I got to think if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen Rosemary's Baby, um, you you might want to take another look at yourself. Yeah, that's true. You know, why are you here? <laughs> or, if you, or if you haven't paid any attention to pop culture in the exactly. last 50 years, you know. <laughs> They just let you out of the bomb shelter. Let's <laughs> let's kind of fill you in. Let's catch up. <laughs> yeah. First of all, things did not get better. Um, right. <laughs> okay, so Rosemary's Baby stars Mia Farrow and John Cassavetes. Oh, I know what we need to do before we even start talking about this. Um, let me play this little spot. And this will be our first break of the evening. So listen to this, and we'll be right back on Kiss the Goat. Movies need only three things. Badasses. You tell me who you want done, and I'll do the hell out of it. 
chick with drive who don't take no jive. Boobs. Do you know that the female breast, known to be the source of life since Eve, can be deadly weapons? And body counts. Mathematics of murder and menace. The BBNBC podcast discusses lesser known action, exploitation, and horror cult cinema. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, and SoundCloud by searching for BBNBC podcast. You can also listen to each episode directly on the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Got the goddamn message? Let's go to work. Presents. Hey, let's make love. Mia Farrow. Starring John Cassavetes. Let's have a baby. Oh, Ro, honey, for God's sakes, don't cry, I'll all right? Know. I won't. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, you're young and healthy. You have lots of children. Madame and Monsieur shall have the dessert after all. Mousse au chocolat. Or as many calls it, chocolate mouse. Mmm, <laughs> it's delicious. It has an undertaste. A chalky undertaste. Nice. Sleep is what you need. Good night's sleep. You better go down below, miss. This is no dream. This is really happening. Written for the screen and directed by Roman Polanski. From the best-selling novel by Ira Levin, Ruth Gordon, Sidney Blackmer, Morris Evans, and Ralph Bellamy. In a William Castle production. Rosemary's Baby. Let's dive into Rosemary's Baby. That sounds horrible. <laughs> what kind of show is this? <laughs> if we were diving just into Rosemary, that would make more sense, but <laughs> we have to dive into the baby, too. So, Rosemary and her husband, whose name is a guy. Real original. Yeah, real original. It's a boy. Uh, guy. Guy. <laughs> These are his brothers, Dude and Mr. Um <laughs> Anyway, um, Guy is an actor. He's an aspiring actor. He's got some parts in commercials, and he's working on a play. And he's a bit of a dick. He's a lot of a dick. Mm -hmm. Um, And Rosemary is his awkward, (laughs) not 
real intelligent, stay-at-home wife. Right. And She's very crafty, though. She is very crafty. Mm-hmm. Um, likes to make things. <clears throat> um, can put contact paper on shelves, which is mm-hmm. very, very, very necessary. So anyway, they're out apartment hunting, and they find a great apartment... The woman who lived there died, and what, nobody found her body for three months? Something like that? That's Which is a huge selling point as far as I'm concerned. No, she went into a coma, remember? Oh, did she go into... Okay. Yeah, she died in the hospital. Never came out of her coma. Okay, sorry, I forgot. So anyway, this apartment is fucking huge, and it's gorgeous, and it comes with the, the dead woman's furniture. Again, not creepy at all. Um... The only problem is the walls are really thin, and you can hear the people who live next door when they're doing their dishes or just talking or, you know. Oh, apartment life. Yeah, chanting, whatever it is that they Right, <clears throat> playing the recorder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, it turns out that their house, the building that their apartment in, is called the Bramlet, and it has been the site of horrible activities throughout the years. Um, their old landlord, Hutch, tells them that Adrian Mercado used to live there, and he was the leader of a witch cult, and he ate babies and just did all kinds of horrible things. I don't know, eugenics experiments with twins. I'm just making shit up now. Anyway, he's, <laughs> he's, he was he was bad, and he lived there, and oh, that's a very interesting thing. That will come back later. Um, yeah, we'll get back to that. So anyway, <clears throat> they meet their next door neighbors and their next door neighbors, um, are played by Ruth Gordon and Sidney Blackmer. And let's face it, Ruth Gordon has always been old. <laughs> One of those, huh? One of those. She's always been old. So she plays many cast of that. And of course she's got that loud New York accent. She's very brash, very noisy, very nosy, wants to get into everybody's business She's got this horrible friend named Laura Louise, um, who's just the most obnoxious fucking... If that woman came in my house, she would last five minutes. Right. Because we would boot her ass out. You, know, you don't like that. I don't like those dishes. The sweater looks terrible. She's just a horrible, horrible character. Time to go home, Laura Louise. Yeah, time to go home, Laura Louise, with my boot in your ass, Laura <laughs> Louise. How dare you have a hyphenated first name? <laughs> Um, Rosemary wants to have a baby. Imagine that. Imagine that. So the first night that they're in the apartment while they're eating dinner, um, she looks at Guy and she says, let's make love. And he and then ensues the most awkward sex scene, I think, of any <laughs> <movie> ever. <laughs> they're on a hardwood floor. They're trying to avoid spilling the potato salad because they're eating on the floor Guy can't get his pants off. Um, when Rosemary finally gets her clothes off, it's obvious that she's just fucking freezing to death. She's huddled. Her knees are up under her chin, and it's just this terrible thing. You know, it's not much different from how she is throughout the rest of the movie, though. She's so just like, she's always furtively glancing over at him like she's waiting for his approval. Yeah, which is, I don't know if people were just like that in the 60s. I would think not. I would think... I would think not, too. That was like the height of sexual revolution, wasn't it? That was the height of 
Yeah, and the birth of feminism with Gloria right. Steinem in Ms. Magazine. So you would think she'd be a little bit more assertive, but she's she's just a mousy little thing. Um, <laughs> well, she was from Omaha. Isn't it Omaha? I think so, yeah. Um, okay, so they have sex, and big deal, it's awkward. It's like watching stick figures fuck. Um she meets Roman and Minnie's kind of ward, this woman who's down doing laundry. And they're like, oh, yeah, I live with the Cassavettes, and they're very nice to me. I'm like their daughter. Look, they gave me this. And she shows Rosemary this pendant, and it's a ball filled with something that apparently smells very odd and unique. And she says it's Tannis root, and it's supposed to be good luck. Well, it's not real good luck because the next night uh, this girl falls out the window, and dies. <laughs> I imagine Tannis Root smells a lot like patchouli and body odor, you know, like pagans and hippies. See, I always thought it smelled like mulch. Mulch. Maybe maybe like some weird combination. Yeah, yeah. If you rolled a hippie around in mulch. Right, there you go. And then scraped their unshaven legs. That's what, <laughs> that's what Tannis Root probably smells like. <laughs> Um, so this girl's dead. The cast of Ets don't seem real upset about this shit at all. Um, but since she's dead, Guy starts spending more and more time with Roman and Minnie. They have dinner together. They talk a lot. There's a lot of, um, muffled conversation behind closed door stuff. But it's obvious that he's getting really close to this couple. Well. That's not weird at all. No, not weird at all. So Guy and Rosemary are having a romantic dinner, a candlelit dinner. And, of course, who knocks at the door but uh, Minnie Cassavette, and she's brought chocolate mousse. Chocolate mouse, she calls it. She calls it chocolate mouse, yeah. And Mia, and Mia, Rosemary is like, I don't like it. It has an undertaste. It's got a chalky undertaste. <laughs> and Guy's like, well, then don't fucking eat it. <laughs> and Dick. Yeah, and she's like, oh, if it's going to be that big of a deal, and so she starts eating it. Passive-aggressive twat. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and then when he leaves the room, she scoops it into her napkin, because that's not obvious at all. Oh, you had an entire ramekin full of chocolate mousse. I left for ten seconds. It's gone. Right. Wow. Way to hoover that shit up, Rosie. Uh, Too bad they didn't have a dog. <laughs> so anyway, Rosie starts feeling a little bit woozy, and a little bit weird, so Guy takes her to bed, lays her down, takes her clothes off, and Rosemary starts having this dream. It's a dream where she's on a boat. First she's on a boat, and there are a lot of people on the boat, and then she's naked, and the captain of the boat tells her that she better go down below, I guess before the storm hits or whatever, and then she goes down below and lays down, and there are all these old people in cloaks and hoods, around her and she's tied to the bed and they're painting arcane symbols on her naked body. Now imagine how different this scene would have been if Rob Zombie had done it. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a lot better because it would have been about twice as long. Right. <laughs> what if this psycho Billy freak outs in the middle of Rosemary's exactly. baby? That would have been great. Yeah. So, and, of course, in this dream, she's like, she sees this horrible, monstrous face with eyes that have vertical pupils, you know, just looming over her. And 
And well, there ain't nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. Right. right. But she's like, in in the dream, she's like, oh, this is no dream. This is really happening. And then she wakes up. And, fade to black. Yeah, fade to black. She wakes up the next morning and she's got scratches all over her. And guys like, yeah, sorry, uh, I didn't want to miss baby night. <laughs> and she's if that says like, you fucked me while I was asleep. I passed out. <laughs> and you fucked me. And he was like, heh, sorry. <laughs> Didn't think you'd mind. My name's Guy. <laughs> I do guy things. And right. that is a guy thing. Of course, Rosemary Ketch is pregnant from that. Right. Um, and it's a weird pregnancy. Um, the cast events come in and pretty much take everything over. You're going to go to our friend, the gynecologist... He's the best one in town. I know you already have one picked out. Fuck him. You're going to our doctor. And Rosemary's like, okay. And the doctor's like, don't take vitamin pills. Don't take vitamins. Uh, Minnie has a herbarium next door, and she can make you a drink every day that you will drink that is far more fresh and better for you than vitamin pills. <laughs> okay. And don't talk to your friends or family. And don't tell anybody you're pregnant. And don't leave the apartment. Don't read books. Don't read books. Don't read books um, about pregnancy. Um, every pregnancy is different. Nobody knows what's going on except me, because I'm the doctor. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and just fucking goes along with everything that this guy says. Just face value. Nothing. Mm -hmm. She is just a goddamn blank slate. And it, mm -hmm. it infuriates me. <laughs> Almost immediately in this movie, you want Rosemary to start fighting back against something, anything. Her, she could start cutting herself. It would be fine in this context. Fight against fucking something. You know, refuse a second piece of cheesecake. I don't care. <laughs> Take <laughs> control over something. And it just, ugh, it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you pick up from here, please? Mm. Sure. Let's see where are we at. Um, Minnie is making her drinks, and and they look like ranch dressing. They do. They look like milkshakes with basil in them, which you can imagine <laughs> how yummy that is. So, <laughs> so she's taking these drinks, right? Um, she develops a pain. Right. right. Um, she develops this severe pain and starts losing crazy amounts of weight. So if <laughs> Mia Farrow, this little bitty, you know, 110 pounds soaking wet, if that starts losing weight. And she's <laughs> one thing that we commented on when we were watching this just last night was her wardrobe. All of the dresses that she wore were like two sizes too big as it was on her little bitty frame. So. I don't know how how we were supposed to tell that she was losing weight other than she started wearing really heavy eye makeup around her eyes. Um, she looked like maybe she had developed a severe allergy to something. There were a couple of scenes where her face was so pale it was purple. She looked like Lurch. And she did. <laughs> she did. She looked like Lurch. Lurch Especially when you got the haircut. Oh, the shitty haircut. The Vidal Sassoon. She's been to Vidal Sassoon. And, of course, Guy, her husband's like, did you pay for that? Right. That's the worst fucking mistake you ever made in your life, I'll tell you that. Dick. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she's losing weight and she's sick. She's in pain all the time. And it's very obvious. Um, her friend Hutch, their ex landlord comes over to visit and he comments on how awful she looks. And, um, Oh, you know what? It was it was right before that point, though, that we find out that Guy has gotten a major role in a movie. Oh, that's right. Right, right. He it's got this play. role. It's a play. Is it a play? I thought it was a movie. No, it's a play. Okay. So he got this major role that was going to garner him a lot of attention, and he got it because the guy who was playing the lead suddenly woke up one morning blind. Couldn't figure out why. Nope. He woke up blind. He got the call. He's got the part. So, <laughs> that just seems so severe and weird. I know, right? It's not like, oh, he has laryngitis. It's like, oh, he'll never see again for the rest of his life. Struck blind. Struck, yes. Just Wonderful. Old Testament shit. Right. <laughs> it's <one of> the plagues. <laughs> so, Guy gets this part. He becomes more and more scarce because he's out getting famous when he's there. He's not there. So the alienation of Rosemary begins right there. Right? Yes. She's feeling alone. She's in pain. She's losing weight. She looks like a walking skeleton and dresses three sizes too big. So her friend Hutch comes over. They have a conversation. He tells her he's worried. At this point, Roman Castavet comes over and in his silent but pushy way, insists on coming in without saying I insist on coming in. Rosemary invites him in and he meets Hutch and then he leaves. Um, guy comes home. Hutch suddenly has to go. Uh, they walk him out. Oh, and Hutch is missing a glove. This was a pivotal. That's where, that's where I was leading with the whole thing with Hutch right. coming over. He can't find his glove and he's like, Oh, I'm sure I left it at, downtown wherever he works what was it the civic center or something like something that like that or at the train station something right right so he leaves without his glove um no glove no love no glove <laughs> right exactly let's see um now what <clears throat> excuse me where are we in the story um now we're in the story where um, Hutch falls into a coma. So Hutch gets sick. Oh yes, yes. It was it was only like the next day she gets a call and they yeah. say Hutch was in a coma. Right. So he's out of the picture. Um, but Hutch has well, he goes fuck it, let's just skip. Hutch goes into a coma, he dies, um, but he has left this package for Rosemary that's very important that that she reads and the person who gives it to him says there's like some kind of puzzle involved with like an anagram. Well, yes, but this is after they have a big party where she invites all of her young friends. She goes through this kind of rebellious period and while Hutch is in the hospital, remember she's, she's she's not going to invite the cast of vets over. You have to be under 60 to get into this party and all of her friends come over and they're all freaked out and worried because she looks so bad and she's in so much pain. And she and guy have this huge argument. She's finally standing up for herself after the party because she's terrified and in pain and fed up and it's at that point where suddenly, you know, when she tells Guy, I'm going to this other doctor, you know, 
whether you say I can or not, suddenly the pain stops and she feels the baby moving. Yeah, and then she's fine with everything. She starts drinking yeah. the ranch dressing again. Yeah, suddenly she's like, oh, okay, everything's right with the world. I can stop being rebellious, and she goes back to doing what she was doing before. <clears throat> and then that's when she gets, they go through Hutch's death and the funeral, and she gets right. the book. And, and she the, feels guilty. Right, and the book is called All of Them Witches. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she's flipping through it, and she... She dumps her Scrabble tiles out on the floor. She's like, okay, if there's a word problem, let's figure this out. So she tries all kinds of anagrams of all of them witches, and nothing nothing happens. And she's flipping through the book, and she sees the picture of Adrian Mercado, the guy that Hutch was telling her about at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how that works out. Hold on. Well, she... she realizes that when he said the name is an anagram, he didn't mean the name of the book. He meant Adrian Mercado's name is an anagram. Or we, we, we have to, it's, it's got to be Stephen Mercado. We have to have that name wrong because there's no S in Adrian. Oh, you're right. Oh, no, Adrian's, no, Adrian's the name the of the baby's baby's name. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we should have mentioned that at the top of the show. This You hear this weird little sound in the background that sounds like things knocking together. That's me and Cootie drinking. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we like crushed ice and vodka drinks, so we should have warned you about that beforehand. Sorry. You're in the hands of crazy drunk people. <laughs> Welcome to Kiss the Goat. Steven Marcato. Steven Marcato, that's right. So she works out with the Scrabble tiles, the anagram... Turns out, Roman Castavet is an anagram of Stephen Marcato. So Roman Castavet, Minnie's husband, is over 300 years old, and he is a worshiper of the Dark Lord. Hail Satan! So, of course, now the paranoia really kicks in. Um, so she leaves, and she tries to call her old doctor who's played really, really low-key by Charles Grodin with the worst mustache you've ever seen Charles Grodin have. <laughs> and he's had some really bad ones. So she's like, I have all this proof. Uh, my neighbors are Satanists. My doctor is a devil worshiper. They've done something to my baby. They're going to take the baby. They're going to eat it. They're going to they're gonna <laughs> fuck its corpse over a, over a picture of the Catholic Missal. They're just going to do all these horrible things to me, and you have to help me. And Charles just goes, yeah, sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you wait here and I'll make a few phone calls. And she's like, yay. And she falls asleep. And she's talking to the baby inside her stomach. And the baby is called Andy or Jenny. (laughs) Andy or Jenny. That's right. Oh, Andy or Jenny. We'll be safe now, Andy or Jenny. It'll be wonderful. So when she wakes up from her nap, uh, the doctor that she went to for help has called her husband and her actual doctor. And her doctor's like, um, don't make a fucking sound because we will put your ass in a mental hospital. And you don't want that, do you, Rosemary? So, of course, no, she doesn't. So she mouses out again and just goes back to the apartment with him. But she tries to make a break for it. She tries to... <laughs> She does, yeah. She has a half-assed attempt 
where she drops her purse and spills all of her shit all over the floor. And while all the men are busy picking up all of her stuff, she runs and gets in the elevator and goes upstairs. And this is an elevator with an elevator operator. So it's like, come back. You can't operate that elevator by yourself. (laughs) Those elevators are difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, and then she makes that weird, awkward jump, you know, the one and a half feet from the elevator to the floor because she can't line up the floors just right. Right. And that's where the skill of being an elevator operator really comes into play. That's right. If she big money is. If she'd had that training, she would have been fine. Um, so anyway, she runs back into her apartment, she locks herself in, and she's like, no one's going to get my baby. And of course, they get in anyway, because it's Rosemary, and she's forgotten something, obviously. Mm-hmm. And she goes to, into labor right there in her bedroom. So she passes out, um, and then... Well, the, they sedate her. Do they? Oh, yeah, they do. They do mm-hmm. Yeah, because this doctor just has sedatives just, like, in his coat. Well, you know... Perks of being a Satanist. I guess so. <laughs> Hold on. I think I got some morphine in my pocket. Let me check. Oh, yeah. Here we go. I got 50 cc's in the syringe right here. Who wants the party? Um, <laughs> so, of course, the baby, they tell her the baby dies. Right. 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 And they blame it on the fact that she couldn't wait. They should. They were going to take her to a hospital because she ran away. They had to deliver the baby right there in the apartment. So They, they lion king her. Yeah, man. It's her fault. <laughs> Your baby's dead. It's your fault. <laughs> but anyway, she can still hear a baby crying somewhere in the building. And she's like, is that my baby? And they're like, no, no, your baby's dead. The people moved in upstairs. They have a baby. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, but at the same time, they do make they do make good efforts at creating the story so that it seemed like she was a little touched and maybe all of this could just be her, her anxiety and her paranoia and, you know, her freaking hormones or whatever, creating all of this and her connecting dots that really had no connection. Yeah, that's true because even, and even Polanski says this in a uh, supplemental on the disc, anytime you see anything remotely satanic, in action, it's during one of her dream sequences. You never see the devil's face except outside of a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. You never see them in their cloaks and hoods outside of a dream sequence. So, yeah, it's very feasible that she's just a nutter. And things. she's having a very bad psychoactive pregnancy. Right. <laughs> Which, you know, it happens. Right. But she stops taking the pills they give her and... She starts asking more questions. She has to pump her breast milk, and um, she asks fucking Laura Louise, you know, what do you do with the breast milk? And she's like, oh, uh, nah, throw it away. Nah. We throw it away. Nah, we throw it away. <laughs> and so when she's taking away Rosemary's tray, Rosemary sticks her spoon in the breast milk, and Laura Louise freaks out like, no, no, don't do that. It's unsanitary. It's unsanitary. And she's like, well, why can't I do that if you're just going to throw it away? And she's like, eh, it's, uh, it's, it's more of a mess, you know. Because <laughs> that's how she talks like a fucking goose. <laughs> she's like a Muppet. <laughs> she is. She's a wonky-eyed she's Muppet. Terrible. <laughs> she's, 
she's easily the most obnoxious <laughs> character in the whole movie, and this movie is full of obnoxious characters. Laura Louise could suck a dick. <laughs> so this, of course, leads up to the climax of the story. And I, <laughs> I, I did not see this movie until uh, you know I was an adult, actually, just relatively recently, within what the last three years, maybe. Yeah, about that. Um, was the first time that I saw this movie, and. So as a kid, I was very sheltered, grew up in a Pentecostal family, was not, you know, don't even think about watching this kind of shit, you know, kind of thing. So I remember when I was 15 years old, I was sitting on the couch with my best friend at the time. I was in high school, obviously, and it was Halloween and we were watching Psycho on TV. And when Norman Bates came running out in that bad wig and his mother's dress, you know, what was supposed to be the, the terror, the, the, the climax of the horror in this movie, collapsed in a fit of hysterical laughter. My friend and I did. And I had the exact same reaction the first time that I saw this movie to the climax <laughs> of the action. It was just so absurd to me. And I think it's really just because I, you know, I'm viewing this now as an adult in this day and age rather than when it first debuted. And I'm sure that it was a very shocking tale at that point. And it may very well be still, you know, for people who, who live with that kind of, of paranoia and that kind of fear. But, um, so when she stops taking her pills and she does her little test on Laura Louise, she apparently makes the decision that she's going to find out for herself. She she still believes that her baby's alive and she's going to find out, right? Yes. I'm sorry. We're looking for a response. You're doing so well. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm just listening to you. <laughs> so when she's alone... One night, everybody's left. She's supposed to be sleeping, passed out on the pills that they've given her. She gets up, goes to the kitchen, grabs a knife. At this point, Guy comes in, and she goes running down the hallway and hides behind a doorway while he comes in and dicks around in the refrigerator and grabs, like, ice or something. I don't know. So he leaves, and she creeps down to the end of the hallway to a closet. Now, at the beginning of the movie, we saw... Um, when they were first touring the apartment, when the old lady who died, um, when her belongings were still there, we saw that she had moved a huge piece of furniture in front of this closet door to block it. And they couldn't figure out why the landlord dismissed it, saying maybe she was senile in her old age. So <laughs> senile people love to move heavy things. Really? Especially when they're 80 years old. They, they love to drag huge wooden furniture down a hallway. Giant secretaries down the hallway. <laughs> so she goes into this closet. She starts pulling out towels and sheets and tossing them to the floor and pulls the shelving out. And it's at this point that we see that there is a door in this closet leading to the Castavet's apartment. It is the anti-Narnia. <laughs> It is. It's it's the hell version of Norman. <laughs> <laughs> so she opens the door and walks in to the Castavet's apartment. Um, there's a painting on the wall of some city burning. She stops and mutters something. Do, do you know what she says when she sees that painting? 
Because I can never have been able to make it out. I do not know. No, I don't know what she says either. So she mutters something to the painting that, you know, the city burning and she continues down the hallway and the cast of vets are having a, a party or a gathering of some sort. Obviously, there's lots of people in there. And here's Rosemary in her fuzzy slippers and her ugly nightgown. ass nightgown. Yeah, that looks like it's <laughs> it's a potholder. It's a, a quilted nightgown clutching this huge kitchen knife to her chest. And she walks in and all of the party guests stop talking and turn and look at her. And you take it over from here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Laura Louise screams. That's the first thing. Ah! Everybody stops and turns and looks at Rosemary. And she's got a knife. And she's ready to fucking kill somebody. And this makes sense to me. Because in this situation, you should be ready just to kill the next motherfucker that gets two feet away from you. Right. But the cast events are there. Laura Louise is there. Guy is there. And they're all having a party. And guy's there and he won't look at her. He won't look her in the face, won't look her in the eye at all. And the center of attention is a black bassinet surrounded by a black lace curtain above which hangs a silver upside down cross. Metal. Metal. <laughs> that is like the Slayer nursery set. <laughs> so, of course, she goes over and they're afraid she's going to kill the baby, but she drops the knife. So she's not going to kill the baby. Roman's like, you know, here's your child, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and she looks at the baby, and we never get to see it. We never get to see the child, which I think was the best choice. Right. Directorially. Let us imagine what the child looks like. And when she looks at the child, the soundtrack gets all fucked up and weird, and her eyes get huge, or excuse me, huger, because they're already really big, because she has no flesh on her skull. So her eyes get wide and she puts her hands over her mouth and she just backs away. She has a flashback. <laughs> has a flashback of getting boned by the devil. And <laughs> and she just says, what have you done to its eyes? And then <laughs> Which he is has such, his father's eyes. It's such a great lie. She, like, he has his father's eyes. And she goes, no, he doesn't. Guy's eyes are normal. Poor and. And that's when the whole thing turns into a Satan pep rally. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! All these old people just walking around, just freaking out. They're like, oh no, he has his father's eyes. His father is the devil. God is dead. This is the year one. <laughs> Hail Satan! And they're all just going off. And, it's, and really, it just does sound like crazy talk in the midst of it. But at the same time, some Rosemary is just like, First of all, you told me my kid was dead, and now I find out it's all fucked up. His name is Adrian, and he shall burn the cities and <laughs> rape the donkeys. And right off on the women. Right off on the women. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's at that point we realize, if we haven't cottoned on already... <laughs> Yes. We realize that Rosemary has indeed been raped by Satan and given birth to Satan's child. Yes. And that's when that's when Roman Castavac comes up to her and says, Hey girl, why don't, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you uh 
Why don't you be his mother? Yeah. <laughs> Baby needs his mother, girl. You know. <laughs> why don't you just try? He's all smooth and shit. He's like, he is, yeah. He's like 300 years old. He's got 300 years of practice just being the Mac. Hey, baby, why don't you uh, let him suck on that titty, get some milk? Yeah, yeah, it's all right. Be his mother, Rosemary. Just be his mother. Just be his mother, Rosemary. <clears throat> Meanwhile, guys all like, uh, they told me you wouldn't be hurt, and you really you weren't hurt. Not you really. weren't really. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> we can have more babies. Yeah. As soon as you're well. And she spits in his face, which is probably the most triumphant move in the entire film. Because right. the guy's guy is such a guy. He's so greasy. He weren't really hurt. I mean. Meanwhile, I'm shouting, "Kick him in the balls and burn the building down!" Because that's which, my answer to yeah. everything. Really, everything. Yeah. But <laughs> again, it would have been perfectly justified in this situation. So it ends with her rocking Adrian's cradle. Like, yeah, she's just going to take care of. Satan's baby, because she needs to be a mother, and that's how it ends. We pull back, we see the outside of the building, we see more of New York City from a helicopter shot, and Satan lives somewhere near Central Park. Yeah. So that's Rosemary's baby. We're going to take a real quick break, and when we come back, we'll uh, ask a few questions of each other about this movie. We'll discuss it a little bit more, and then we'll start winding things down here on Kiss the Goat. If you need a refill, this will be the time to do it. Need a pee fill. <laughs> or pee empty probably is more appropriate. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what are you drinking? Rosemary, go back to bed. You know you're not supposed to be up and around. Is the mother? Uh, Rosemary. Shut up. Rosemary. Shut up, you're in Dubrovnik. I don't hear you. What have you done to it? What have you done to its eyes? He has his father's eyes. What are you talking about? Guy's eyes are normal. What have you done to him, you Satan is his father, not Guy. He came up from hell and begat a son of mortal woman. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Satan is his father, and his name is Adrian. He shall overthrow the mighty and lay waste their temples. He shall redeem the despised and wreak vengeance in the name of the burned and the tortured. Hail Adrian! Hail Adrian! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! you out of all the world, out of all the women in the whole world, he chose you. He arranged things because he wanted you to be the mother of his only living son. His power is stronger than stronger. His might shall last longer than longer. Yes, Satan! No! It can't be! No! Oh, look at his hands. And his feet. Oh, God! So let's wind this up a little bit about Rosemary's Baby. What do you think? Is this really a devil movie? And I ask this because a lot of devil movies, and, and movies in general, they get shoehorned under a label or into a subgenre, and they may not 
really fit. Um, I know there are some movies that we kind of have in mind to watch that may not really fit the devil movie genre, but we need, you know, we're going to talk about them anyway because we're stubborn like that. So, <laughs> it's like, you know, is, is, is Seven a crime drama? Like, is Seven a crime drama or a horror movie? Right. You know? Is Invasion of the Body Snatcher sci-fi or social commentary? Or is it both? I mean, there's there's different ways to look at it. So what do you think, Cutie? Um, yeah, well, by my definition, I would definitely say this is a devil movie. Uh, for one thing, we actually see Satan, even though it, it's presented in a dream sequence type, <clears throat> type scene, but... Satan seems to be at the the core of this story. Um, I mean, Jesus Christ, she gives birth to his son. So, <laughs> right. What about you? Do you not? What do you think? Is, uh, well, I, no, no. I think it is a devil movie, and for the same reasons that you do. And I would add to that: um, Satan in this film has very devout followers, and you know that's always nice to see people who really live up to their belief system. But it's always been my thought that, you know, if there is, if, if there is a Satan, one of the places that he hangs out the most is in drudgery and in banality. And the people in this movie, particularly Rosie and Guy are very shallow thinking people. They're very materialistic. They, are only concerned with upward mobility and that kind of attitude without really any thought to anything deeper. Mm -hmm. Um, that seems for me to be a really good place for evil to hang out. Idle hands and whatnot. Idle hands and well, idle brains. Right. And whatnot. You know, I mean, the first time we see guy on TV, he's in a motorcycle <laughs> commercial. <laughs> you know, you should really think about joining the swinging world of Suzuki. Yamaha. Yamaha. Okay, Yamaha. He's like, okay. <laughs> ah! Ah! <laughs> he wants that. He wants that shirt that he saw in the newspaper ad. He smokes the Paul Malls. She mm -hmm. makes sure that she makes sure that guy knows that haircut was from Vidal Sassoon. Right. It's they're like the '68 version of yuppies. Just. <laughs> I don't want to say they're terrible people to begin with, but they're fucking terrible people to begin with. There's <laughs> really the only reason you sympathize with with Rosemary to begin with is because she's so frail. It just seems like you know you could a strong breeze would just snap her spine, right? She would just be torn in half. So, and she seems so innocent and so pure too. You know, she's got this just great childlike personality that really comes through in the beginning of the movie. She's just... Well, see, and I can't decide if she's childlike or stupid. <laughs> I think she just has a great naivete that okay. she's inexperienced. You know, you're, you're pretty sure that Guy has been her only love, her only sexual encounter her entire life. He probably came into Omaha and swept her out of some small town where there was like 200 people lived there and that was it. Yeah. Wow, that's a good... I, did, I hadn't even thought about that. That's a good insight. Alright, so we are in agreement. Rosemary's Baby is a devil movie. So let's rate this. Uh, one through five, horns high. 
One through five evil eyes. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would rate it a four, a strong four. It ranks pretty high for me. I will also give it a strong four. Um, a lot for the direction and a lot for the set design. Um, Polanski, despite his personal life, separate the the art from the artist. He's a fantastic director. Mm-hmm. He knows how to get you involved and how to make you want to be pulled even deeper into the story. Mm-hmm. Not even by what, less by what he shows you and more <clears throat> what he doesn't. Right. And it's beautifully shot. I mean, yeah. the film is so clean. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll, I, I'm going to go with you on that. Four, four horns high for Rosemary's Baby. And what did we learn about Satan in this film, Cootie Bug? Um, he likes frail redheads. <laughs> yes. You know, and who can blame him? Yeah. <laughs> he really, really wants a baby. And I guess I can't blame him for that, you know? Everybody, strong fatherly instincts. Strong fatherly Everybody goes through a period where they think, you know, it would be really nice to bring a baby into this world. And Satan is no different. So, and why not choose a frail redhead who's also a lapsed Catholic? <laughs> Even better. Even better. That seems like it would fit his blueprint perfectly. So, that's what we've learned about Satan this week. He likes babies. <laughs> Not just for dinner. Not, yeah, not just for dinner. <laughs> Sometimes he really just wants to keep them. Raise them for his own and give them pansy names like Adrian. Um, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sure there are a lot of very cool people named Adrian. I'm sure. I don't know any, but I I'm sure they exist. I'm sure they do, too. <laughs> All right, so what are your final thoughts on Rosemary's Baby? <clears throat> Rosemary's Baby, baby. <laughs> I love it. It's one of my favorites. Um, like I said, it ranks really high in in my list of great all-time movies. Um, if you haven't seen it and you just listened to this podcast, um, we've ruined the story for you, but Sorry. see it anyway. Yeah, see it anyway, because it's it's stunning. And you're going to find yourself wanting to shout, Hell Satan! at really inappropriate times just because of this movie. Yes. It really is kind of the grandfather of Satan movies. It opened the floodgates for devil movies to join the mainstream <laughs> and not just be, you know, the lower half of a double bill at a drive-in. Right. Um, yeah, this kind of made Satan a commodity within Hollywood, which is why after this you get The Exorcist, and after this you get... Brotherhood of Satan and Race with the Devil and all of that. This is the movie that opened the door for everything, thereby making it a great movie for us to start this podcast with, because why not start at at the very beginning? At the top. At the top. (laughs) And work our way down. It's all downhill from here. Believe me, we're gonna. Um. All right, I guess that about wraps it up for Rosemary's Baby. Cutie Bug, where can people find you on the internet, if indeed you want to be found? Uh, shit. I, um, probably Facebook is the best place to find me. I, um, my hobby is to paint skulls, primarily. Um, I also dabble in various other crafty pursuits, but you can find me on Facebook. I am the Skull Lady. 
and you can see my art there. And sometimes you can buy my art and or jewelry and what the hell else I feel like making. Really. Nice. You can find me on my About Me page, which is about.me slash Jeffrey X. Martin. And that's where you'll find links to my articles at PopShifter, my horror fiction, my blog, and there are probably pictures of my ass on there somewhere, too. But that's that's the best place to get all your information about me. <clears throat> hey, listen, if you've, liked, if you've listened to this show and you've liked it, why don't you leave us a review on either iTunes or Stitcher? A five-star review would be great, but, you know, don't compromise yourself. <laughs> By all means... Keep your integrity. Any review helps and increases our visibility. And if you have any thoughts or comments about the show, you can find us on our Facebook page, which is Kiss the Goat. On Facebook, just do a search for that. Or you can email us at thegoatofmadness at gmail.com. If your email's cool enough, we'll probably read it on the show. And if it's not cool enough, we'll just make fun of it in the kitchen. Because we're assholes that way. <laughs> anyway, that's it for this edition of Kiss the Goat. I am X. And I'm Cootie. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan.